Welcome to Stop, Hack, and Roll, a podcast about gently folding the prepared whipped cream into the chocolate ganache until completely incorporated and smooth. I'm Brandon. And I'm James. Today we'll be talking about bringing food to the table, and how the almost universal experience of social dining can inform our game design. If you are listening to this right when it dropped, which I'm sure that you are because this is your very favorite show, or at worst your second favorite show, uh, we are going to be this weekend at Dreamation for Saturday and Sunday, which is uh, a game convention that takes place in Morristown, New Jersey. It is still possible to get tickets. It is possibly harder to find rooms. I think they've kind of filled up. But if you're going to be there, let us know. And uh, we would love to see you. Yeah. Um, and I know that you are going to be running some things, um, either some official things, maybe yeah. some unofficial things. Uh, I am not running anything. I am just going to be there. Um, I'm probably going to do the under schedule myself game. Uh, I'm thinking and of just doing kind of hang out. too. I'm a little worried because my... my heart and my soul tells me to sign up for literally every time slot because you are listening to this on tuesday yeah and the signups were released on i think sunday mm, yeah so there's sunday. definitely gonna be some games so that will be filled up. i will have had already signed up <laughs> nice <laughs> uh, because we are definitely recording you are this is live actually yeah i don't know if you guys know this we broadcast this live to whenever you are it's listening to tough. it um, it is it's real hard on us yeah. but uh so um yeah, my plan is to be there. Uh, we need to talk about whether or not we're going to try to record a Protein City with somebody there. Uh, I think that'd be fun. Yeah. I'm definitely going to bring the recording st- equipment studio anyway, uh, in case of an impromptu recording for something. Uh, we'll see what's up, but come visit. I know that we're going to be there, and Randy Lubin's going to be there, I think, because he's crazy and he flies across the country. Oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, for all these things and a whole bunch of other people that we know and listen and who listen to us and we listen to are going to be there so it should be good it's going to be a lot of fun i am personally running uh two scheduled games um one is both of them are pasión de las pasiones one i'm calling el sabor de amor which is about like a fancy restaurant that's maybe being bought out by some people and it should be kind of like family fun with some flirtatious elements with people coming from outside and all sorts of things it should be good and my other one is La Perla de Baya, uh, featuring Daddy Yankee, which is about a casino, Diwa, a casino in like uh, in Cuba that's like got a whole musical scene going on, and it's featuring Daddy Yankee, and that should also be a lot of fun. Nice, nice, nice. You have been getting a lot of attention for Passion recently. I've seen I have. It's been people talking cool. on Twitter. It's been pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple different things going on. Um, first off, the first Twitter accounts dedicated to Passion de las Pasiones characters have been made, which I, I don't know about other people, but I love to sit down and play a game and make a Twitter account for my <laughs> character and tweet five times and then ignore it forever and lose it. Um, I've got so many Twitters, I can't even tell you. But there's there's two people that have uh, that have their characters on Twitter, and it's awesome. I don't know if we will link to them or not. I don't want to like put anyone into yeah. a weird position. But uh, yeah, that has happened, and uh, possibly even more exciting. I have been invited to give an interview at uh, Netcon 2018 which is a Spanish-language role-playing game online convention. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I'm super excited and also terrified. (laughs) Because my (laughs) Spanish is, like, conversational. And, like, if I've been spending a lot of time with my family, if I've been in Peru or anything like that, then my Spanish is, like, pretty good. If I've been hanging out in Connecticut... Sorry. It's it's less good. <laughs> I don't I don't speak uh Spanish at all. Yeah, there's there's not a ton of people in my life other than my family that speak Spanish. So oh. yeah. I think you know what to do. Yeah. Oh, actually that reminds me, I should have said another thing about Dreamation. Um we'll do it. if you're going to be at Dreamation and you are Latinx, get in contact with me or on the schedule, hopefully. There will be a Latinx Game Verber dinner, 
which is not like a catered dinner or a dinner that is available. It'll be something, hey, come bring your dinner and let's meet up and try to kind of create a little bit of community because there isn't really a lot of Latinx game verber community out there. There's Spanish language stuff like Netcon, uh, but there's not really one that is sort of either all-encompassing or providing some stuff for people in the States or anything like that. Yeah, so when we were talking today about, we were talking this morning about what we were going to record tonight. Um, I mean, when we were talking months ago about episodes that we were going to record. Right, when this was well recorded months ago. Yeah. Um, uh, I was thinking about how we've done a lot of serious episodes recently, and I wanted to get back to our roots of winging it, of really winging it. Recently, we've done a lot of what we have called in the past game storming. Uh, and so I wanted to do just a, a lighter brainstorming episode. Um, and I think I was particularly hungry at the time because I pitched the idea that we should talk about food. Um, because I, and I think this is interesting. And I think that as much as I joke about that, and as much as we all just laughed, um, food is something that is present in in most gaming groups. Like yeah. there's that classic image of a bunch of kids sitting around a table in their parents' basement playing D&D with pretzels and juice and stuff pretzels like that. Pretzels and juice? Don't you mean yeah. Mountain Dew and Doritos? Whatever. Come on. I had pretzels and juice. Whoa. Step up your game. <laughs> Um, and these days, as adults, we 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 practically like potluck cater our our some of our gaming sessions. Hi, my name's James. I played Dungeons and Ogres, and we had pretzels and juice. <laughs> um, and and then just in a broad sense, like stepping back and away from the pen and paper gaming world, food is like incredibly central to a lot of cultures and social experiences yeah. and the way that we interact with each other is frequently around meals. And so I thought that talking about food and the way that we can incorporate food, not as just something that is there while we, while we play, but as something that is like part of the play uh, would be an interesting thing to talk about for an hour. Yeah. And I, the importance of food is kind of difficult to overstate. Um, yeah. If you, if you look at food practices, like, it doesn't really make sense on a certain level for humans to not have congregated as groups in order to eat food. Because the core thing about human eating is that we mostly have to cook our food. Which means yeah. that it doesn't make sense for a single person to step aside and do all of the gathering and then all of the cooking. Like, it makes sense to gather things as a group and do things as a group. And so there's, like, an intrinsic quality in all human societies of getting together for meals. Yeah, and then, and you've also, besides just, like, division of labor, you've got, uh, even going back, so, f uh, like, v to the, like, origins of, of humanity, you're talking about, if you're cooking something, you've got to have a safe place where you can... Uh, set up a fire that fire has to be somewhere that you can control it where you're not going to be exposing yourself where there are people who can protect you so you've got to have a cave like you've got to like collect wood you've got to set and start that fire there's a lot of entry costs to getting to the place where you can cook yeah so then if you were doing all that work just to cook like one steak for yourself uh, it may not be worth it, but if it's like, oh, we're going to build this big fire, I'm going to do all this work, but now we're going to cook this whole boar for the, for the village. Well, now that makes a lot of sense. Also worth noting as a bizarre little psychology fact, or I guess biology fact, more accurately, the stomach has, the human stomach has as many nerves as like a cat's brain. And that's wild. I don't know yeah. that it adds anything. I just think it's kind of cool I, I that think, we have a cat brain I think it's in our stomach. fair to say that my stomach is about as smart as a cat. I have seen cats eat some pretty terrible things. Yeah, and I've, and I've eaten I've some pretty terrible, terrible things. things. <laughs> so, <laughs> the possibility my brain is as good as a cat's. Um, Double cat brain. So yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and... The people will believe us that there's a reason to talk about food, and hopefully we won't steer them <laughs> wrong, so let's jump in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why don't we start the way we do kind of with a lot of these these brainstorming sessions by talking about games that exist out there that already have food as mechanics, or like really easily have uh, food supplement mechanics. 
Sounds great. The one that popped to my mind immediately was All Out of Bubblegum, which is a game by Jeffrey Grant and Michael Sullivan. And it is a lighthearted adventure, adventure in quotes, uh, game where you play people who know how to do two things. And um, and one of them is fueled by having bubblegum. Uh, and you are unfortunately out of it, so you only have to do the other thing. Um, and and so they recommend that like you can play with tokens, but it's more fun to actually play with bubblegum. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen some other um, some other versions of the game that recommend playing uh, with your twenty one and over friends, uh, playing with like bubblegum shots. <laughs> Yeah. And and so rather than like whenever time you need to discard one of your bubblegum sticks, do that shot of bubblegum uh vodka. Such Which... a terrible idea. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, cuz I think you I think you start with like 10. <laughs> so you'd be 10 shots in for like a, an hour long oh my game. God. That's probably not a great That's idea. The worst maybe idea. don't do that. But uh but so because it's just a game that has So that was the first thing that popped in my mind. Yeah, that's definitely something is the kind of just food as counters because all out of bubblegum is really a just it's a number that goes down it doesn't matter yeah. that it is bubblegum necessarily unless you keep all the bubblegum in your mouth the entire game I, that was what i thought you were supposed <laughs> to be doing <laughs> i mean that could make things interesting because then you start out doing normal stuff that is not ridiculous and over the top and by the end of the game your mouth is stuffed <laughs> <laughs> You can you can't do normal things and you can barely speak. It's so much better. That's so dumb. I I was I did not realize there was another way to do that. I assumed that I you just that chewed assumed. the gum and then got rid of it when you were done uh, with it, which for no, me is like I three minutes later. It. I don't actually like gum a lot. Um but so in any case, you could also use it really any game that has counters in it. Um yeah. like Fate chips could very easily I'm, I'm, be. I'm pretty sure at least one version of Fate explicitly recommended using pretzels. I think it was the Dresden Files version. Not Doritos. Explicitly recommended using tre- pretzels or uh, M and M's, <laughs> but that you should be careful not to just eat the M and M's and lose your Fate points. I know for a fact that I've read multiple RPGs that have cautioned against accidentally eating all of your uh, all of your bennies. Food tokens. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But and like you know that's. That's kind of a fun thing if you're just sort of doing it. Like, you know, if you're playing if you're playing the Dresden Files and you're eating M&Ms, hey, that's nice you get to eat M&Ms. But that doesn't... It's part of the economy of fate. Yeah, that doesn't add a lot. If you, if you consume too many, if you consume all of your uh, your uh, your counters, you got to act more in, uh, to your uh, aspects. Okay, okay. Self-compel. Yeah, I guess that's that's true from like a reinforcement standpoint. If, if you have more self-control, you don't have to act with your aspects because you didn't eat those M&Ms. Oh, that's awful. I brought it around. That's it's awful. awful. <laughs> I hate that mechanically so much. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm being really negative this episode and I'm not trying to be. I'm in a pretty decent mood today. I don't know what the deal is. But I, I Did you think of whatever that, game you we were talking about? No, maybe that's what the problem is. Because there is a game that that I just, I cannot bring to mind. And it's driving me crazy because it sounds amazing. I want to say it's from an anthology LARP, uh, an anthology LARP collection of some kind. I don't think it's hashtag feminism, but it could very well be. And I just can't bring it to mind. If someone adds us with it, or if I come up with it in the following three months before this episode drops... Then uh, I'll I'll go ahead and put it, post it up there. But part of that game is telling stories, um, and it's really focused on the characters themselves telling stories within the world. And so it is based around sitting down and having a dinner party. And I think it, I vaguely remember that it has sort of a like a Mediterranean setting, and so the book actually has some information on what kind of foods might help you to evoke that sort of setting and has recommendations for ways that you can put your meal together. And I think it has like candles and music selections as well. It's a really, really cool game and I've read it and wanted to run it for ages. And I literally have spent the entire day since James got in contact with me going, 
like what is that game what is that game what is that game and i've done countless googles so i can't i don't know (laughs) but that game is one way to do it you know what's a great game that involves food what's a great game that involves food (laughs) man this topic just keeps on giving i forgot about a whole lot of stuff um a really really good friend of ours on a dare uh from from me wrote a game about olive garden that was on my list to talk about. Yeah, so Jeff Stormer wrote, uh, I, I dared him to write me a LARP about Olive Garden, uh, uh, designed to be played at a an Olive Garden. And so yeah. he wrote, if you're here, your family, an Olive Garden LARP, where you play um, a group of settlers who are settling, I guess, not an Olive Garden, literally, <laughs> but it's designed to be played at an Olive Garden. And what the, the, the way the food comes in is that the meals you choose, or the at least the breadsticks, represent time and, like, when <laughs> the meals... maybe clarify briefly. For our non-American audience, Olive Garden is, like, a chain Italian restaurant, um, and they are kind of famous for having, like, a lot of courses because they give you unlimited breadsticks and stuff like that. And when you're there, so, your family, according to their your family, motto, yeah. yeah. And so the way the game works is you're playing, like, the first few generations of the settlement and the uh, the the different, like, waves of, like, appetizers and then meals and then desserts or soup or whatever, they represent time passing and, the gen- and different generations of settlers. And so I guess it's not it's not a game about food, but it's a game that uses food and the experience of being together as a as a friend group or family or family or whatever at an Olive Garden uh, as sort of the the core mechanic. Yeah, I want to play that game so badly. I actually recently went to an Olive Garden and it was for my mother in law's birthday. So, for some reason, we didn't end up yeah. playing playing the game. Don't know why. Uh, but I, I'm super interested in doing that at some point. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> like it's it's this light little game. And okay, so like all joking I was aside, not though, expecting him to come back five minutes later with a game. <laughs> yeah, that was the best it was part. Quick. Uh, there's a bizarre little community of of game design people that if you tweet at them and say, hey, make a thing for this, they'll just go, no, I'm not going to make a thing for this. I'll write, I'll make a thing for this. Uh, it's like Will Smith singing La Bamba. Um, hey, brought ah, I brought it back. Hashtag Bombate. Tag someone who you don't think knows the words to the Bamba and they've got to sing it. Uh, <laughs> probably cut that. Um, but yeah, like I think there is something to be said about playing games about creating communities with some food. And I think that that kind of might guide you in a direction kind of culturally. I could, could imagine mm-hmm. playing uh, a game at Olive Garden and feeling a little maybe like pulled into making my world or my culture a little bit more fake Italian. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying fake Italian is in like imitation Italian. I'm saying Olive Garden is fake Italian. Yeah, and so hitting that genre, I That's, guess we want to be clear about who we're throwing shade at. Exactly, it definitely is it's not people Garden. that it's not people like uh, Scott Lynch that make fake versions of Italy. It's at Olive Garden <laughs> that makes fake versions of food. Yeah. yeah, can you think of any other games that involve food? Stop hacking bread roll. Stop hacking bread roll. So, like, I, I guess I think that's the title. One of the things I wanted to say, kind of about like that setting of being at a table and having food and spending that time to do that is you can do that for really any game. And it just sort of brings you into the idea of where do you fit into stuff? Like if you're telling a fantasy story and you go like, Hey guys, I picked up some, some mead and bad soup. Then you can have like that tavern scene feel a little bit more. And like, kind of borrowing some LARP stuff, if you've got a breadstick to wave at somebody, that's better than not having a breadstick to wave at somebody. Especially if you're, like, in a scene that is a similar sort of setup. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I think think what we are kind of 
getting towards is that there are really kind of, I want to say, three types of ways to incorporate food into games. Oh, um, you've got, uh, this is uh, the amount we've got. Yeah. Cool, I, let's I just, go. I'm laying this down right now. All right. Um, I'm going to try to disprove type, you. <laughs> okay. The first type is food as counters. Okay. Where you are using the food as a mechanic and the food type or whatever may be related to the game, uh, in, but is, is primarily there as a counter. Right, yeah. So, or a physical representation of something. Uh, the second type would be food as aesthetic, where you are playing a Game of Thrones style game, and so you buy the Game of Thrones cookbook, and you cook some meals from that, uh, and then you poison all your friends and win the day. There um, is a Redwall cookbook, by the way. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Um and so that that is a game where or that is a that is a method where the the food is not there to to do anything mechanically. It's there to reinforce the setting, it's there to be a prop, it's there to wave a breadstick at someone. Yeah. Um and, and I think and that's so, especially useful. And let me know if I'm stepping into the third territory. I think that's especially useful when you're basically doing it as a LARP light. Yeah. Like, The Adventures of Baron von Munchausen takes place sitting at a table. Oh, that is a game that involves drinks, too. Oh, that's true. That does involve drinks. Um, so, if you're sitting around a table, then you're, you're, you're LARPing it, technically. And so, if you've got but food, I would argue, you're LARPing actually, it even more. Yeah, and I would actually argue that this brings us really nicely into the third type, oh. which is th- that what Baron von Munchausen is, uh, which is that it is a game that has a setting... But that that the food reinforces, okay. But is also a part of the mechanic, okay. Yeah. So having oh, a true. drink, like being a bunch of aristocrats sitting around a table, is the setting, mm-hmm. and you are and you are maybe larping, maybe not, sort of like there. And the drink, having a beverage, is there to reinforce that setting, but it is also part of the core mechanic because that is like when you take a drink, that is the amount of time you are allowed to think about what you're going to say in your story. That is very true. And, and so I think that there is sort of like the, the food is just aesthetic food is just mechanic, uh, but they, but don't really connect with the game. Uh, and then there is the third way, which is sort of like food as reinforcement. I'll say, uh, food where is you're using food as LARP where the food is, well, where the food is there to reinforce the setting, but also plays an integral part in the core oh. mechanical structure of the game. Right. Like, so if you were doing something, if you were playing like a post-apocalyptic, maybe apocalypse world game or no apocalypse world doesn't really fit. I mean, cause you could play a setting. You could play like a post-apocalyptic setting or even a real world horrific setting that scarcity is a big part of it and have food working as a counter that you're actually consuming. I think Mm -hmm, an apocalypse mm -hmm. world game where, uh, where all of your barter is beef jerky could be kind of fun. You know, just have like beef jerky and bad flat soda. (laughs) Yeah. So a really, a really great, I just realized this came back to my brain. Um, a great way to elaborate on what I mean by all that is like using all that bubblegum as an example. If you were to play all that bubblegum with counters while chewing bubblegum, that would be as just using it to reinforce the aesthetic. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Um, kind of. If you're using it as a mechanic, but like Brandon thought, you just sort of chew this, the stick of bubblegum and spit it out every time. Well, then you're just using it as a as a mechanical thing right uh and then if you were to do bubblegum shots and in the game Mm. every time you fail a roll your character has to go find alcohol and do a bubblegum shot well i don't even know i'm sorry go ahead just then you're using you and your character are taking similar actions you're it's incorporated into the story uh it reinforces the aesthetic um getting a little tipsy on bubblegum shots is reinforcing the aesthetic, but that's what your characters are doing. And it's also serving as a mechanical counter. So I'm actually going to say that, that your character might not need to be doing the embodied action of taking the shot for it Mm -hmm. to still fit into that third category. Okay. Because we're playing with body mechanics here, right? Like, Mm. uh, if you are taking shots of bubblegum vodka or if your mouth is getting increasingly full of bubblegum, 
that is mechanically changing how the game plays. Yeah, that's true. Because you're unable to communicate as well if your mouth is full of bubblegum. Or... <laughs> or if your body is full of bubblegum <laughs> shots. Yeah. And so that is actually a mechanic in the same way that, yeah. like... uh. That if you had to wear weights around your legs while you were playing basketball, that would be a mechanic. It is a rule that is happening. Yeah. It is hampering you from what you're trying to do, uh, or possibly helping you, depending on what's going on with the game. But I think that that doesn't, you don't necessarily need it to be LARPy, that you're like doing the actions that are happening in the game, for it to simultaneously reinforce things and be mechanical, right? Does that make sense or not really? It does. It makes sense. Okay. So there's a fourth kind. Oh, is there? Yeah, I got you. Uh, there is a uh, little game. It kickstarted. Ooh, when did it kickstart? It kickstarted a little while ago. And it is now available. It is called Cooking with Dice. Oh. And it is a role-playing game... Uh, cooking system where you uh, have basically what you do is you're making recipes and part of what happens is you end up rolling dice on tables in order to change what the recipe's key ingredients are going to be. <laughs> yeah. That could, uh, that could go very wrong. I'm kind of really interested in this especially because their first uh book is called the acid test and <laughs> it is about using acid to cook instead of heat so mm. like uh it mentions pickles ceviche homemade cheeses freezer jams fizzy candy and like i can't actually eat ceviche but i love like the idea of cooking things with uh with acid always is really interesting to me just because it is such a huge part of Peruvian cuisine. Uh, so yeah, I might be getting that and you can play it solo cooperatively or competitively. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. So I'm, I've been just like eyeing this game and going, Ooh, I want to get my hands on that. So that actually ties in a little bit with something else that I had, uh, had been thinking. So are about. you suggesting there's a fourth group, James? You I'm agreeing with you. When you said there were three. <laughs> I'm agreeing with you that maybe there is a fourth group. Uh, okay. Although I think arguably the fourth group could be part of the third group. Okay. But whatever. Okay. Um, but so a while ago we had talked about um, a show we might do yes. called Tales from the Cook, which was inspired heavily by some random games of Dungeon World that you played <laughs> on our Discord. Um, and that the idea would be that you would run Dungeon World adventures for people while you were cooking. Yeah. Um, I love cooking and I love running Dungeon World and I can do Dungeon World kind of off the cuff and mostly by memory. So combining those two and no rolling in Dungeon World. Yeah. And, and so the, the way that I always wanted you to do that, and I don't think this is the way that you planned, but the, the thing that I wanted to push you towards was to incorporate the, whatever you were cooking into the story of the game. Yeah. Um, sort of in the style of the comic Rutabaga, the adventure chef. I actually know almost nothing about Rutabaga. I think I've seen a couple of the drawings or designs from it. <laughs> it looks adorable. It's a comic by Eric Colossal, and it is great because it's about a fantasy adventurer. Okay. But he is adventuring because he is a chef, not because he is a hero. Okay. And his goal on all of his adventures is to find new and rare ingredients for his uh for meals. Okay. And so one of the things that happens is that uh they'll like his whenever like there's these cool scenes where he's got a problem and he's trying to solve it and uh and he'll come up with some way to solve the issue by cooking food. And then the page of that comic will be a recipe and him cooking. Oh my gosh, seriously? And yeah, it's really good. I, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that I have not convinced you to read this yet. No, you haven't told me that it had recipes in it. 
Yeah. And they're all like, they're not real recipes. They're fantasy recipes because they use these rare ingredients like, like giant spider's leg and, and like, um, magical mushroom sauce or something like that. Yeah. But some of that uh, stuff you could probably, uh, oh, yeah. Probably oh, make yeah, some yeah. changes to. Like, spider leg is probably a little tough to get, but you could theoretically do like frog leg or get your hands on some crickets or something. Yeah. Um, and, and so the idea I had, is that that you could incorporate the the ingredients into the adventure like have like i like the my pitch for your story for this this podcast was going to be that you should be a cook at the at an inn and that um adventurers would come to your inn and want food and you would send them on quests to uh to collect ingredients for your recipes and and that those adventures would be based off of whatever meal you were actually cooking. Okay, I could see that. That could be quite interesting. And so you could, and, and so if you wanted to incorporate like a sort of cooking with dice style randomness, you could play like if the adventurers successfully go and retrieve an ingredient, then you get to use that ingredient in the meal you're actually cooking. And if they don't, <laughs> you don't. So I get to have a bad dinner. Yeah. <laughs> if well, they don't and then do well. <laughs> In my perfect world, you are also cooking for these people live. Oh, okay, so they uh, get to have a bad meal. Yes, because they rolled poorly. They yeah, should know better. they probably should have. Uh, they probably should have discerned realities before they jumped into that trap. Yeah, um, and so that's a way where you can have the story inform the action, and then the the food also inform. The story. I don't know if that made any sense. I think it did. Um, yeah, I think that there definitely is something to be said for games that play with cooking. There's like, there's so many wild little weird games. I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of it. God, this is the worst episode because I can't remember the name of any of the games and I feel so bad. We were going to play an Iron Chef in Space RPG. Do you remember <laughs> that? I re- I do. I don't remember what game that was. Me neither. I might be able to pull it up. Intergalactic Cooking Challenge. Intergalactic Cooking Challenge. That's it. Which is a 24-hour RPG by Zach Wellhouse. And that's not the only RPG I've seen about uh, about hunting for ingredients and then making food from it. But I think that you could do a little bit of work and come up with ways to play with that. Like... Let's say you get a group of players that all have an interest in cooking, right? You set up the game so that you're telling it in shifts with the ability for one person to be cooking during one of the shifts, right? Mm -hmm. Like when their character is doing the big thing, they're making something related to it. So like something simple, like maybe, maybe round one, (laughs) <laughs> our first uh course for the meal you're doing um you're doing like like a like an easy appetizer like a a parmesan uh like a parmesan zucchini or something like that you know mm-hmm. uh and then like maybe you're you're moving into doing like some tostadas or something like just keeping things relatively easy and kind of like jumping around and just having some fun with what the ingredients are you stick them in a plastic you stick something in a plastic bag and you say and like Oh yeah, you take some some chicken and you marinate it in some some lime and you stick some some hot spices in it and you label it like gorgon meat. And then the recipe says gorgon meat because you've prepared the recipes for each other. <laughs> right? Like this could be really fun. Yeah. And then you yeah, get to yeah. have like over the course of a couple of adventures maybe like, you know, two, three, maybe four little mini uh tapa style meals. That is pretty cool. Ooh, I'm trying to find. You sent me a a sheet from the rutabaga thing. Yeah, and like this is actually something that you could very easily do. I guess bloodberries might not be a thing, but you could very easily substitute something in like that. I bet strawberry would taste delicious. That might even be what he was uh, intending to do here. Oh God! See, this is the problem: is I haven't had dinner yet. <laughs> Oh, well, that's why I was I was thinking about how we were going to be recording without having eaten first. Yeah, <laughs> we chose to record at six o'clock, and that's how this all started. 
Um, so yeah, you should definitely read Rutabaga. It's all online. I also physically own the first uh, like collection. Okay. So if I see you this weekend, I'll bring you the book and loan it to you. Something that I thought about when I was thinking about... So this kind of goes into like how I start thinking about these ideas and and how I think about games and like like I said we start thinking I start thinking about what games uh, involve the mechanics we're talking about but I also start thinking about what stories we tell that involve food okay and I think that in this case the answer is like a whole a whole bunch um, and I start thinking about I started thinking about what movies that I've watched. That have that center around food. Okay, and like there are always all these great like noir films where the characters are sitting around eating. They've like just stopped at some sort of hover uh, uh, rice thing, uh, rice cart, um, or they they found noodles somewhere. Um, talking about the plot of the adventure of the of the, of the story, um, or you've got. There's always like one downbeat in every like um, Godfather style movie where the characters have stopped fighting and they're sitting around a table uh, eating with their family. Yeah. Um, I, I I watched a lot of Asian cinema in college because that was what my uh, my advisor specialized in. Okay. And and like and so there is a director um, Ho Shao Shen who is a Taiwanese film director uh, who. It was famous for portraying these kind of like downbeat moments where there's not a lot of action going on, but it's just like real people cooking dinner or eating and having meals. Um, and, and there's a lot of other, um, Chinese and, um, Hong Kong directors who followed in that style and and one of the things that I was thinking about was sort of the sometimes there's the tension that builds up in those scenes. And so as I was sort of thinking through some rough ideas, um, I I had just written down in our notes this idea of like a sort of um, I called it demand and deny. But like uh, you could ask someone to pass you some food. OK. And then and then how they respond to that is sort of a, a a resolution mechanic. Okay. And so they could you could like you could be talking through some scenario between your characters and then ask someone to pass you the food, be of uh, some piece of food or some seasoning or something like that. Yeah. Um and this could even just be while you're all preparing too. Like you could all be preparing food. Um mm-hmm. and and uh you could ask ask them to pass you something. And then if they pass you something, then maybe that's them agreeing with you, you moving on in the plot, um, them joining your side in an argument or something like that. Maybe they instead like lock eye contact for a lengthy, like tension filled scene and then pass that thing to somebody else. Or maybe they <laughs> deny you. Maybe they ask somebody else a question. They just like brush past it. Um, all the different ways that you can uh, respond or deny someone something that they've asked for during a meal and then ha- sort of use that to build that sort of tension that, that builds up in those scenes. Um, I may J- have to mess around with that. I was going to say, James, I think you're going dangerously into game storming. Cause I think that sounds like it could yeah. be a full mechanic behind a game. And yeah. that could be really interesting. I'm super into it. Yeah. Um, and you know, for that matter, uh, my, my knowledge of cinema is much more limited, but like, one thing that you'll see in tons and tons of shows is scenes where people are having conversations and cooking or having food. And there's yeah. no reason, even if you're not having food physically present, you shouldn't use that as like a cue for when you're having talks. Like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm just thinking back to our most recent Urban Shadows game that we played, where people were having conversations all the time. And those conversations were kind of just happening, like as static objects instead of happening with any sort of scene or thing around them. It's like, Oh, I'm going to go talk to this person. And then two people stood in a room talking to each other, which like is it works because it has, it gets you through the dialogue quickly. It gets you the information quickly, but like I've never seen a, you don't see many scenes of that in actual media and you don't really see an enormous amount of people just doing that. Like I'm going to go, I need to go, yeah, we're going to just stand in my doorway and talk as opposed to like, you know, maybe come in, maybe someone's having food, maybe someone's getting food, maybe someone just ordered a bunch of takeout and it's like, okay, here, have some of this. 
like that's much more normal human interaction, I guess. So just calling so, out, oh. hey, my character is doing this, hey, my character's cooking this, hey, my character's eating this can be a thing that really adds a lot of flavor and a lot of depth to your scene. The other thing that it could do, and this is really cool, is that it adds an en- an end point to the story if yeah. you are actually cooking. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So if you're actually cooking, it adds an endpoint, which solves the problem of, in a lot of these sort of like shared narrative games. Um, there's not an ending. Or sorry, uh, like there's no, it's not that there's no ending. It's that if you are sharing narrative control, it's harder for one person to step in and say, here is the beginning, middle and end of this story. Right. Because there is no like sort of agreed upon timeline. And, and this is, like, something we've started talking about. This is where, like, you and I have had this conversation about masks and pacing and stories. Um, so many times. In, in, <laughs> in, uh, for, for, for Protean City. Mm-hmm. Because, like, we want to make sure that our, like, where a normal game session, if there's just, like, all rise and then no climax in the story in your, like, with your game session with your friends, that's fine. Like, yeah, it, it, that's just, like, the way it happened. But that doesn't work as, as well for a podcast. But if you could find a mechanic where you're cooking dinner for set for an example um then then you then there is an agreed upon timeline that everyone is following and then you can all build towards that rise and fall of 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 story narrative yeah that definitely makes sense it kind of gives you it sets up exactly what the timing of it is going to be and it makes let's makes you aware that you're going like hey this is where we need to start changing things especially if Which- you start doing something with like multiple courses in some way yeah, and that's that is and that is what Jeff was doing with that game uh with uh um with your here your family. Like in that case it was people bringing you uh courses, but you could say like someone we care about will die when the chicken goes in the oven. <laughs> um and so or the they the police will show up to detect our crime when the water boils. And and using those things to build tension to <laughs> Oh my god. There's like you could I'm thinking about have you, ever, have you ever seen the movie Rope? No, as I said, I I only watch good movies. Oh my god. It's Basically Hitchcock. just the Marvel superhero movies. <laughs> well, you should watch Rope. Rope I, is a I movie. I actually saw Hitchcock. That's different. It's very different. <laughs> you just, you literally Rope just told a, me it's Hitchcock. Rope is a movie <laughs> about some friends who who kill their like a mutual friend of theirs. And then they forget that a party is happening for them, for the, okay. the person they killed, and they have to hide the body and the murder weapon in this apartment where people are coming to have a party. Okay, okay. And, and it's it's a very cool movie. I highly recommend it. If you haven't seen the movie Rope, uh, go watch it um, and try to and guess how many cuts there are in that movie, because it's not many. And um, if you haven't seen the movie Hitchcock, like... You probably don't have to. It's it was okay. <laughs> it was all right, you know. But all those Hitchcock films, they do they do build uh, they build tension by the pl- the viewers know what is happening or what is what the story is building to, even when the the characters don't. They yeah. know that we've seen people getting closer and closer to where the body is hidden, or we've seen through the window. Uh, into the other building what's happening um and and that could be something that if you set up some some cues in the cooking uh you could play people who are like trying to hide something or something where you need to build tension uh where the tension is released at various points during the cooking that's actually kind of interesting in terms of man now my brain is doing things i'm starting to think like what if what if what if we made recipes that had specific things going on in it just like that and modules. sold them as modules? Yeah. <laughs> They're modules, right? Oh, that is that is great. That is a like that would be a great dungeon world module. Yeah, you just have each at each of the steps the things happen. It's basically like automatic clock advancement. <laughs> I the might clock have to make, advancement I, is just literal clock advancement. Yeah, I might have to make a couple of these. That every time really you set fun. a timer, every time you set a timer, that's a new clock. Yeah, well, you could also set it up so that you're like that you gain the that nobody has the information of what's going to happen until the thing happens. I think Dungeon World is maybe not even the best possibility for it. Yeah. Something that has 
maybe something like Monster Hearts, maybe something like mm. Apocalypse World that like all of that you don't need necessarily a GM. Noir World might be amazing for it. Oh my god. That, I, like, I still like you have that ultimate that big timer of when the meal is done, the police show up. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's so this that's is a great idea. Great. Nobody steals oh my god, this it's idea. This is Brandon's idea. Oh my god, Columbo. Ah, <laughs> uh, and you're cooking gumbo. Just one more thing. <laughs> um and so nobody steals this idea. This is Brandon's idea. <laughs> trademark, trademark, I'm trademark. This in the podcast. Yeah, trademark, copyright, <laughs> stop hack and roll, twenty eighteen. It's ours now. You can't have it. Yeah, but also if you do this, uh, send us copies of it so we can yeah. play this game. <laughs> so, um, do we have anything else to say about this this topic? Food. I'm sure we will. I'm oh sure the gosh. minute we stop recording, you will remember all of the names. All that of you the names. In this episode. Oh, it's driving me crazy. Um, I feel so bad because I I love having the proper like documentation of the different people that have done all of this amazing work because. We as a community are working towards progress of the game sphere, and yeah, grr, they're doing cool stuff, and I can't remember their names, and I'm sorry. Well, those names, when we remember them, uh, eventually will be in the show notes. So just yeah. like look down at your phone and pull up your podcasting app, unless uh, you're driving, the f- unless you're driving, and then or wait, cooking. pull over from the road wherever you are, pull over, look mm-hmm. at your phone. The links will be there, um, and. Uh, what else? Um, so we'll have links to Jeff's game. Uh, Jeff's game is not super long, um, so we'll... I don't know how we'll distribute that, but... Uh, um, Maybe we'll talk to Jeff and see how he wants us to distribute that, because I think it was... Was it literally a series of tweets? Uh, it was in the Discord. Oh, okay, so, it was in the Discord. So All there right. you go. Join our Discord. Hey. Send Jeff your hot your game dares. <laughs> Um, um this is a new game jam yeah it, we've, we've got two we've got game two dare. dare games happening now one of them is hashtag bombate and the other is hashtag make this game and uh but so i'll have i'll, I'll link to some uh to a couple panels of rutabaga uh i highly recommend everyone go look at it um eric colossal's art is phenomenal that po- that comic is just so good um, I'll link to a couple, a uh, couple of movies by, uh, Ho Shao Shen, or, uh, I think the other one was, um, Ozu is another director, uh, at, that I studied in college, um, that had a lot of uh, focus on food. Uh, and, and we'll um, throw in a link for Hitchcock too. Yes. We'll yeah. not do that. Definitely not. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you can go find Hitchcock by yourself. Uh, if you need God help yourself. Uh, if you need advice on how to find Hitchcock, you can find it from us on Twitter at Stop Hack and Roll, or you could individually contact me at Dr. Captain Kobold. Yeah, I'm at End the Meltdowns, but uh, don't at me <laughs> about Hitchcock, at least. <laughs> Just at James about Hitchcock. No. Yeah. Um, you can find all of our episodes, uh, links to those games, uh, some of the games we've worked on, uh, as well as all of our show notes and a bunch of all the games we've talked about on StopHackAndRoll.com. You can email us at James or Brandon at stophackandroll.com, subject line Hitchcock. <laughs> um, you can <laughs> you can rate and review us on iTunes. Tell us whether or not you like how much we talk about the movie Hitchcock. Um, or other things that you like about us, like the games we talk about, the episodes you want to hear. Um, the more you rate us, um, the more our podcast shows up in other people's re- uh, recommended podcasts. So I guess as long as you're giving us five <laughs> stars, you can talk about uh, just paste in the script of, he- of Hitchcock. Really? It's worth noting. There, there might be some people that are taking this as like a really nice breath of breath of fresh air from us talking about fast and the furious. Hey, fast and the furious <laughs> is a movie about family. They eat a lot of food in there. They, they do. You, you've got to, Gotta. It's all about family. Uh, I think that he eats popcorn in Hitchcock. So, yeah, James. <sighs> we make all two of our podcasts and all future podcasts with the support of Patreon backers. Backers like Mike Fielding, Rob Harvey, Zoe Rich, Izzy Sanders, The Fool Dude, V Brower, Declan Chadbourne, Nora Blake, Chris Newton, Michael Bowman, Alice Tobin, Chad Owen, Blake Ryan. Anthony Nomorosa, Troy Pitchelman, ShuffleQuest, Jimmy Rogers, Richard Kretzlandry, Riverhouse Games, Randy Lubin, Robert Kosick, and Rob Abrazado. 
man, that, get, that list is getting long. That list is getting long. And thank you all so much. All that you do makes such a huge difference. If you would like to join that big list of people who help financially back our show, check us out at patreon.com slash top hack and roll. If you can't support us financially or don't want to support us financially or refuse to support us financially until we start talking more about Hitchcock, then you can join our community and support us that way. Just being a vocal voice and calling us out and getting in communication with us and don't call us out, but like, let us know. (laughs) If you (laughs) want to be a person who I dare to make a pen and paper game in five minutes, join us on Discord. Yeah, join us on Discord. That's actually where an enormous amount of game design happens. And a lot of the ideas that we talk about on the show are things that have been spoken about either before or afterwards on Discord. And everything, any episode that comes out, we go deeper afterwards on the Discord just because we start getting ideas from people and they start telling us, hey, this is what I've done with food or this is how I've made my module That's uh, that you sit down and start watching Hitchcock and things happen as the events <laughs> unfurl from there. Uh, uh, at me or recipes. Yeah, and uh, at James, his, at James things about Hitchcock and at me recipes also. We should do some some cooking game thing, like yeah, not not the I have, brunch, I, but an additional I have, thing. I have for a while been talking about buying a food truck, <laughs> uh, so that we could drive to a convention and do some game cooking. That would be the best, and I would love that so much. On yep. the other hand, that is insanity. <laughs> it's gonna happen sometime when we hit like when we hit a lot of what's a big number we're never gonna hit when we hit like five grand a month on our patreon i'm buying a food truck you know what yeah we can put that on the patreon i if we make five grand a month i will i okay here's the promise i'll make if we make five grand a month on the patreon not only will we get the food truck i will go to a convention every month to (laughs) do a live nope i'd do it if we hit 5k (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. So. <laughs> not, not indefinitely. I mean, for a year. It'll be like the year of. The year, the year of. Yeah. Keep it. Keep it trucking. Hashtag stop keep it trucking. And stop truck. back at a stoplight. So when you're sitting with your friends and I mean, your family around a table at Olive Garden, when you see out of the corner of your eye that the waitress is bringing more salad and you know it's time to introduce a new generation of settlers to the movie Hitchcock. Don't forget to stop, hack, and roll. Every episode of Stop Back and Roll is a that's, blooper. That's true. Episode. Yeah.